right, welcome to the very first episode of Punkcast and Random Heroes Cheeky Shenanigans. I am Jesse, aka Random Hero. And I am Nick Carter, aka Punkcast, aka Backstreet Boy. Yeah, yeah, weren't you in the news for touching kids or something recently? No, I was in the news for being with that one chick that was in the Midnight Paris. That's right, Paris Hilton. I was with Paris Hilton. You were with Paris Hilton? Yes. I doubt that. No, I totally was. <laughs> There was, uh, there was a porn video. It was the, what's that, night vision? I, I always assumed when I saw that that her skin was just really green. That whole thing about there being lizard people in the elite classes and all that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> so the very first thing we want to introduce you guys to is the fact that at the beginning of each episode, we are going to be taking a shot of some form of liquor to kind of get things loose. And you guys are... whiskey. Tonight we have Maker's Mark, a very fine bourbon whiskey. And we're going to drink it down like this. Got it from 7-Eleven. And uh, Jesse needs a chaser. Oh, I guess he does not need a chaser. No, and that chaser was just going to be Bud Light anyway. Oh, yeah. Feel the burn. So, purpose of the show is to have some fun, comedy... Jesse's little rants on, on his political views that I, he likes to talk about from time to time. Not really. I, I don't talk about politics online a lot, at least, and certainly not at work. I, I'm a bartender, and that's one thing you can't talk about there. But, like, we all have them. It's just those aren't usually the forums I like to express them in. So I dump all that shit on you guys in long rant forms, and now it's going to be broadcast to tens of people. Right. <laughs> I always hold my opinions in because I don't really care. But I should care. Plus, I don't like getting in heated debates with people. Some people take it seriously, get offended easily. So I just stay out of the way and just keep my political views to myself. Well, and, I mean, people are going to use things like social media, Facebook, Twitter, and all that for their own devices. And some people feel really passionately about politics, and that's awesome. But to people who don't see it affect their everyday lives a whole lot, it just kind of becomes a lot of white noise and kind of annoying. So there's not really a whole lot of great forums left where people can just sit and actually have a good discussion about something political without someone getting like super offended or starting to call names or whatever. And this is kind of a nice outlet to include some of that, though it's not really the focus we're aiming for. Right. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the the spinoff they made following that is already airing episodes. Right, I, I watched it. I didn't like it that very much, but I did listen to the podcast with her in it. She was on Joe Rogan's podcast. I didn't hear that episode. And apparently she got fired for making a tweet in the middle of the night. She was on Ambien, and she didn't realize she did this tweet, and it was something about some yes. political woman saying monkey hands or something like that and just <laughs> right off the bat they fired her and not didn't even give her a chance to apologize or nothing so i kind of think that was their way out of trying to just fire her right off the spot and not give her a chance at all well I'll, I'll be honest i'm coming to this without any dog in the fight because i don't care if she has a television show in the first place um i, I was never a huge fan of the show to begin with and i'm certainly not a big fan of just her general persona and like her type of comedy and all that you know i'm, I'm down with being rude but it when, when it becomes your only selling point you become a really one note you know song so 
I don't really care. But that being said, companies are just doing this now. It is a knee-jerk reaction to people. You see a new story almost every day where someone gets filmed and they're saying something really racist or really sexist and something you know bad, something they really shouldn't say. And then the internet goes crazy on them and they lose their job and all that. And to a certain degree, I believe that's absolutely correct. But dude, I, I'm also coming at this as a single, straight, white, I guess you'd call it cis male. Uh, I, I don't know all the correct terminology for my own identity anymore, and that's okay. I don't hold that against anybody. I just can't keep up with it all because it doesn't apply to me. And that's kind of what I'm getting at with the Roseanne thing is... What she said doesn't apply to me, and I think that people that it doesn't directly apply to need to shut the fuck up about it. Exactly. And let people who it actually offended or people who actually employ her deal with it on their own, you know? But I just want to stop you right there and call a little bit of shenanigans here Mm. on this because there's no way you cannot like Roseanne from the TV show. I, I, I didn't. I didn't. I, there, there's something in me that doesn't allow for me to really enjoy the standard co- uh, sitcom setup. I like a lot well, that more... that was like the middle, lower class fucking sitcom where like all of us could relate to. See, my growing up experience was a lot closer to Married with Children than Roseanne. Uh, and they're, they're both in the same thing. It's just are. Married with Children allowed themselves to be a little more ridiculous than Roseanne. And I... I'm not saying that show and her haven't done great things for the medium, but, like, it it didn't apply to me. My family life was a lot more torn up than even that was. And I like my humor to be a little more out there, too. Was one of your family members a sheep dog? (laughs) No, my dad dad worked at Boeing for his whole life and always told me not to. And he said it was prison and all this other shit. But I will agree with that. No, but the thing is, you make a lot more money than I do right now. And he never told you that side of it. I do make... You don't okay. have to say what you make. No, it's right. just you make more than I, I do. People have this persona of people working at Boeing thinking they just like make so much money. But in reality, I mean, yes, I do make more than someone that works at McDonald's. Or we'll say bartender. <laughs> Plus, I don't have to worry about getting tips every day. But, you know, we get more taxes taken out. And then my situation where I have child I mean, so I don't really make as much as people think. No, you don't take home as much as people think. Right. You make every bit as much yes, as people I do. think. Yes, <laughs> I do. I don't take it home, I guess, so to say. Yeah. And I have been there almost eight years, so I feel like I put my time in. You have, and I'm not taking that away from you or anyone that works there. It's just, he, he worked there, and he made it sound like a fucking prison, and I bought into that. And did everything completely differently because I thought that would somehow make me happier at this point in life. And turns out at 35, I'm still kind of the same miserable bastard he was at this point in my life, you know? Because when he, let's see, when I was born, my mom was 30 and I think my dad was 28. And uh, so right now, I'm as old as he would have been when I was seven. And he sent me to the hospital a few times, just being too aggressive and you know, doing the standard dad thing that everyone cries about. But at the end of the day, he wasn't a shoe salesman who took it out verbally. He wasn't witty enough to be Al Bundy. He was just a bitter old fuck on his own merits. Yeah. And uh, and so that, that resonated a little more with me than the Roseanne side because my mom, you know, she's a lot more sweet and laid back and chill and hard, hard to really get her to be assertive in situations like that. And Roseanne's the exact opposite. You got a point on that one. <laughs> you got a point on that one. 
It's funny, my dad works in aerospace. He's worked at Boeing, too. I guess I decided to follow in his footsteps. Yeah. But I don't like it. It's not what I want to do. But I'm what do you want to like do? I feel like I'm stuck with it just to be able to survive in a society today. That's what we all do at work, though. I mean, I am so lazy. I only work hard enough to, like, literally just get by. And that's it. And that's how I've always been because I want to do something more creative with my life. You know, I don't want to be defined by work. And it's okay if you're not either um, because you're actually doing stuff. You know, you guys don't know us yet, but Nick and I are in a band together. Pride fails. Uh, he's a really good guitar player. He, he, he sings occasionally. That's about the nicest way I can put that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, we, we, we didn't come to this podcast idea quickly or we didn't try to execute it quickly. We discussed at length what we wanted to talk about, how we wanted to present it, what we wanted the topics to be, and just the fact that we just wanted to do something that creates some form of art, whether it's comedy or a shitty podcast that we're recording in my living room, which is still kind of awesome. You know, it's... me get more opinionated and express how I feel. Exactly. And, and this is the form where you want to do it. You know, people can put a comment up online all day long and they do and they are so shitty about their approach to people because they will just be rude because they can be because it usually doesn't immediately affect them but what what happens when you achieve a level of success like Roseanne is when you make one little comment like that suddenly you don't have a TV show and they've literally killed your character off in the plot line there's so many times I'm on Facebook and I read something and I just want to write a comment but then I don't because I know there's going to be so much backlash so I Yeah, but at the same time, we're creative, so I find that people like us are the type who will still write out the full comment, maybe six different drafts of it, and then finally delete it. Well, we all know if only not do that. <laughs> oh, that, that's a character we're going to have to get to once we've as, let people figure out whether or not they even like us well enough to listen. <laughs> uh, so what are some of the other things that we want to talk about on this show, and I, I kind of want to give people a chance to get to know us a little bit. So why don't you uh, take it away there, Nick? Well, for starters, I like to check out every once in a while what's going on in the world and what fucked up news stories are out there that are kind of funny and hilarious. All right, and I'm just going to really quickly jump in and say that I promise you not all of this show is politics and political stuff. Right. I promise you that. But... We're living in a time when something new and crazy happens in that arena every single day, so sometimes it's just going to come up, and this is an easy way to make this conversation feel more natural. So, so exactly like how yesterday, the Mega Millions $1.6 billion. Dollars. One, wait, $1.6 billion for, and you bought a ticket, right? I bought $30 worth of tickets, just hoping just to have the excitement of Well, you've greatly overestimated your percentage of winning, or your odds of winning, um, which I believe was closer to one in 300 million, or roughly one ticket for each person in America. But it's just like the pull-out method. You're not sure you're going to win or you're going to lose. And which one of us has the kid? That would be me, so the pull-out method did not work. But not for you. <laughs> oh, because you were pulling out of the woman. Okay. Yes, exactly. Not me. I didn't even see that coming, motherfucker. No, what, what, where I was trying to drive at with all of that. Um, so, how many? You said thirty dollars worth, but how many actual tickets is that? Uh, well, it's 
one ticket, but it's six chances, so. Okay, so there. Six fucking lives. (laughs) You just. Nick is running into the other room to silence his smartphone, which is being dumb right now. Oh, you. Oh, you dumbass. Sorry, guys, we're just uh, working this out real quick. We, we can always cut this section. Um, edit. We can edit it out. Yeah, we're going to mark around 12 minutes, and I'm going to start listening. Anyway, um, so start. So you got a ticket for the Mega Millions. That's the one that was $1.6 billion. Yeah. Uh, you spent $30 on it, and you got six chances. Well, this, is, this was my philosophy here. I spent $10, Yeah. Because I feel like there's like a, a system that each gas station or whatever sort of uses. So I wanted to have better odds. Yeah. Well, now I, I don't play these these lot of things. I, I like to play poker at the casino or sometimes slot machines and even get little scratchy boys at the gas station sometimes. But I don't usually play lotto because I don't really understand it. So what. But can you imagine winning $1.6 billion? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I and I have. In South Carolina. Yeah, that person just became the richest person in South Carolina. So they're having to do fucking nothing. They can quit their job. They can do whatever the fuck they want. Bang their sister all day. Yeah. <laughs> just hire a good ass lawyer, and then you know, yeah, you're good to go. Whatever you want. <laughs> and you know, as much as all of us like to think we would do some really good stuff with that much money, there is a certain part of you, a certain part of everyone, and there's a certain percentage of us who would let this part out more. Who would just be a total dick with it? You know, like, you, you've seen posts online about people going, well, if I had a whole bunch of money, I'd pay people $1,000 to do something really embarrassing, like jumping in some mud. Or, uh, I think that was a line in a movie or something at one point. Like, you see, you can white see that... White mud? <laughs> but, like, you, th- that kind of money is only going to amplify whatever kind of person you already are. So if you're already a dick, congratulations. Now you just screwed up your whole state because that person is now the richest person in South Carolina right. and can do whatever the hell they want. And I imagine if I won the $1.6 billion, which correctly I saw with all the taxes taken out, it technically went home in above some of like $900 something dollars. Now to me, that's a lot of money. I feel like I would at least give out a million to like all my friends and family. And since we all know you have like five of people who fit that description, that would be a pretty cheap out. Five and a half, dude. (laughs) I got a midget friend somewhere. somewhere. That's not the right word, dude. They're called horizontally challenged. Vertically challenged. Oh, okay. I'm an idiot. (laughs) No, and, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and do a blanket statement that we'll have to repeat many times. But nothing that we say on here is going to be meant to offend anyone unless we explicitly say so, and that may happen at some point. But if we make jokes that don't fully comprehend your particular walk of life, sorry about that. But we can't we can't hold ourselves to standards that we don't even know exist in certain areas. You know what I mean? People can tell me whatever they want. They can talk shit. They can hate me. Whatever. I don't fucking care. So if I offend somebody, I'm not going to care. It's their personal feelings that get hurt, and that's their problem to me, anyways. 
So, but wait, okay, let's play this out. What happens if you say or do something to that one person who decides they're not just going to feel bad about it, they're going to jump online and shame you or post a video? Like, are you talking about doing stuff that you'd be okay with people putting you on blast for? Yes and no. <laughs> I, well, I'm just saying, if they want to blast me on Facebook, it's fine. I'm not going to sit there and go back and forth. I, I just, right. If they want to say it, go ahead and say it. I know who I am and what I like. If you want to think I'm an asshole or some douchebag. I do. Right? So, <laughs> and that's totally fine. But then again, I'm not going to worry about someone else's feelings because of their point of view. So I guess it's like my opinion, and I should be able to have my opinion without having to worry about someone getting offended. And that's right. And while I'm saying to everyone that that's not our intention to purposefully offend people, I'm saying that if we accidentally do it, we're not going to apologize or qualify it every single time. I'm telling you right now, that's not our intention. We're doing this to be fun and be original and be true to ourselves. And everyone out there has some friend or some group of friends that they'll tell jokes to that they wouldn't want everyone else seeing them yeah. Tell those two or whatever. And what we're doing is we're giving all of you guys a live look at that side of us. This is like the real deal. You guys are getting two guys who you've never heard of who are at least being 100% honest about whatever they talk about on here. And, and there's something cathartic about that. Exactly. And so moving on to another what the fuck stupid worldwide news. Did you hear about, I guess it would be a racist topic. <laughs> but there's a video on there where a guy was trying to enter his own fucking condo building and there was a woman with the dog yes yes with the dog blocking him in yeah he didn't have a fob or fab key to get in yeah and she would not let him through even though he did live there yeah she's screwed now and <laughs> i watched a youtube video last night about it and the ironic thing is she did all that followed him in to this fucking elevator, followed him to his door, and he just kind of just fucking said, you know, shut the door in the face, whatever, done, yeah. done, but now she, like, lost her job, and I believe she lost her boyfriend, but the ironically thing, her boyfriend's black, oh. I, I found that out. Wow. So people call her a racist, I guess she really isn't a racist, I guess her point was she was just worrying about who was going oh. in and out of her building. But okay, okay, I'll take that as red, but I, I gotta stop you right there. Just because she has a black boyfriend does not mean that she's not a racist. Come on. That's like, I, no, no, I, no, I can't. That's, that's some shenanigans right there, Nick. It would just be funny if she's racist if she has a black boyfriend. Here's what I want to do right there with this story. I want to define two slightly different concepts. There is racism and there is stereotypes. So, so a stereotype can be for any race of any group of people in any any discernible society or grouping that you want to put them in, those are different packets of humanity that you could stereotype in a certain way. There's positive ones, there's negative ones, but those ones I feel are benign. They're very mild. They're things that we all have. Some of them might be regional prejudice or something, or even something you were, you know, your family taught you growing up, but we all have the ability to kind of get past those easy enough. Right. What I'm talking about and what this girl might probably be is the type of person who is still racist and she just makes exceptions for it because we're all people, but you don't follow that guy like she did in that video, in that building, in all the ways that this happened. You don't do that if you didn't profile him specifically for his race. Even if you like to date black guys and you're a white girl, 
you can still be a racist. Of course you can. Yeah, you do got a point. I guess to me, I wouldn't fucking block them. No. No, I'm not racist. But there are those stereotypes, right? Yeah. Let's just say I was in Seattle. I was going through an alleyway, and I just, you know, I saw Yeah. African-American. We'll just say that. Politically correct. Whatever. Yep, (laughs) go. Uh, I would be a little worried. Why? I guess it's all the stereotypical, the news and everything that made it out to be. You're supposed to be afraid of that person because of the past or yeah. the ghetto gangs and yada, yada, yada. I don't know. So while you're watching that innocent black guy walking down the sidewalk not trying to break into your car, while you're watching him, someone is actually trying to break into your car right in front of you that you're not seeing, you know? Exactly. I feel like it's just... It's true. I mean, like, it. We'll, we'll put myself in the same setting. If I'm in downtown Seattle late night, and I've I've been down there through some really really weird happenings and bad times, but if you're down there and I was in my car and I was let's say waiting for someone and just parked, and if I saw anybody walking around my car, I would lock the door. But that would be pretty much the end of it because I have seen so many instances, especially lately, of even women being car prowlers. Or, you know, white guys being all over Facebook as thieves from grocery stores or whatever. I follow a few local, like, community crime watch groups. I love watching those videos. Yeah, and I mean, well, they're stupid, but, like, sometimes they lead to a result. But the the best part about watching that is that all of those stereotypes that you may have had at one point will quickly go away when you realize how many people that look just like you are out there being shitty. And so... I just lock my door for anyone now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, there, there's always going to be stereotypes that I can't help but joke about or mention, or even occasionally, my thought process will just run down. It's just how we're wired to some extent, but it's what you do with that information and that thought process that really matters. And that lady fucked up. That lady did fuck up. There was nothing else to be. She just, she handled it wrong, and I mean, we, we need to get to a point to where eventually when those videos surface, it's surprising to see who's being like that to who. You know, I want to see an East Indian person following a white person, like an old white man in his 40s, like follow him down their apartment building and be like, hey, you know, I want to see your passport or your driver's license, your ID. How'd you get in this building? See, now that would be so weird. It would be weird. Yeah. But that's where we need to get to, you know? I want to be able to fear all of my neighbors equally. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Jesse. Yeah. You and I, we are nerds. Yes, yes. That that is one of the truer and more mild statements made about myself. I love comic books. Mm -hmm. I love Marvel. I am not really a big fan of DC, so to say. I guess I favor Marvel more than DC. You read anything outside of the big two? (laughs) <laughs> I do like it's an Man. honest question you know to be honest I really like Suicide Squad I know a lot of people gave a lot of negative reviews still DC wasn't my question <laughs> okay go ahead and talk about Suicide Squad I'm a little nerdier than Nick yes so. yes he is but I'm just saying who's your favorite comic book superhero super villain are you asking about DC cause that answer's kinda harder no, no you gotta just have one Overall. Yeah. Well, Iron Man. Um, I, yeah, I've been a big Marvel guy Man. forever. I Look, I, I definitely am on the Marvel side of things. I, I love 
almost their entire MCU. I have a collection. It's not a big one, but I have a collection of comic books about Iron Man, the Avengers, uh, Civil War, some other Captain America ones. But I've also got some of the more popular Batman ones. Um, I loved the Nolan Batman movies. I've hated pretty much everything DC has done since then. Side note. Who was your best Batman? Best Batman? Yeah. So Val <sighs> Michael Keaton. George Clooney. Yep. Adam West. I um, feel like Adam West is order overrated. Because technically, wasn't he like the first Batman television person? He, he had a Batman television show... But there was other uses of Batman in film before that. They were they were a lot more rare. He was the first like ongoing multi right. I Batman. Feel like everyone goes to Adam West. Well, yeah, and well, the thing about <laughs> with the Adam West show uh, is that the Batman comics up until then they started off a little grittier and a little more realistic, and then they got really zany, and that's when the show came out. They they brought this new. They injected a kind of a campiness into the show that made it. A little more accessible to people they weren't having to follow complex storylines and all that and he did that so well and they they executed the show so well to just be something that you want to sit back and enjoy and then you have tim burton coming up to the bat in what 89 when he does his first one with keaton and yeah. uh, jack nicholson and, and the Penguin, right? no that was in the batman returns okay. also also um Oh, I just said his name, Tim Burton, but not, uh, not all of the same cast. So Tim Burton comes and he, he makes Batman dark. I, I believe that he had kind of reshaped the, the emblem and kind of his whole look, not just for yeah. the movie, but I think the comics then followed the film after that because it did so well. And before that, superhero movies, you had Superman and that was it. Uh, yeah, Marvel like was nowhere Superman. to be seen. You didn't like the Christopher Reeve Superman? I, I like the movie. I just don't like the whole Superman era. Of, of the All right, you know. Let's let's we'll swing back to that. I just want to finish up on the Batman question real quick. <laughs> um, so Burton came and kind of made it a little bit darker, and he really made you feel like you were in Gotham. You know, it was a it, it was its own character, and then after all that you know and you have george clooney coming in and the bat nipples and the credit card and all that they, they tried to they were those movies were the closest to the adam west tv show that we ever got and then they went back and nolan rebooted it with batman begins in 05 i believe and that was just that that was breathtaking seeing him become a ninja and then, yeah. you know having this real grounded hero and that's what i loved about that whole character but like you were saying with superman totally agree i mean they added kryptonite kryptonite to give him some kind of a you know a, a thorn in his side and achilles heel if you will like but yeah <laughs> yeah it gave him a foil of kinds but no one is ever like really that big of a threat to superman because of everything he's been through right and so he just wears spandex and a cape is <laughs> I, I can't wait to hear where this question goes. I think he has some weird, dynamic, Iron Man fucking metal dick that just comes out of the suit. Or does he pull down his little metal fucking pants down and then just get right at it and keeps the top hat <laughs> I don't know. I Okay, and just to be clear, it's not like we rehearsed this show or anything. Nick didn't even have that question written down or anything. 
he just came up with that off the top of his head. So I'm as weirded out as anyone listening to this. But, okay, let me unpack this. Okay, so you're asking how Iron Man would have sex in the suit. Well, I don't think it would be option A because I think he's a little too narcissistic to bother augmenting his penis with any sort of attachments like that. Um, and obviously he's, his prowess sexually is good because they, they, they really make that a theme in the comics and in the early films. Um, I, I'm guessing it, I, I, the closest they get to that topic is in Iron Man 2 in the film uh, when he's telling everyone at the party how he pees in the suit and then he just does it. Yeah. I'm guessing there's some kind of you know, uh, script that Jarvis and then Friday had to follow where if he just said, you know, it's booty time or something, then the suit would come off in a certain way or do something that made him really easily accessible to Pepper. But I, I have no idea what that would be now. <laughs> it would just be a little hilarious if he had some Iron Man dick instead of semen, little, little Iron Man. All right, well, let's, let's play with this idea then if you're going to be weird about it. Spider-Man, do you think he puts a little quote-unquote web shooter down there too? Well, they'd be disappointed when they realized it wasn't actually webbing, but... Fucking, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, as for my favorite characters, Iron Man, I mean, I, you're a little older than me. I kind of started nerding out, maybe like Wait, that. yours is Iron Man also? No, it is not. Oh, okay, good, good. Uh, back to my persona, I like to joke around, I talk shit, but not in a seriously way, and I know I'm not, like, an original, like, Deadpool fucking fan, but when the first movie came out, I feel like I could uh, relate to him and how he acts and how he talks shit and he's funny so I just attached myself to Deadpool because I just love the way he is and now I'm buying Deadpool comics and reading those and but that's the great thing Like, even though there's still going to be elitist douchebags out there who are like, oh if you've never read the comics you don't really get it, it's like, you know what I'm enjoying the same character you are buddy, Yeah. you know, and that's I never want people to think that just because I own a couple of comic books and have read like every character's wiki page that I'm any kind of a, you know, expert on this subject. I'm not. I'm not but you know, I also want to make sure that everyone's included in fandoms like that because the the whole word nerd is turning around into kind of a good thing, and it's only because people are more accepting of things that nerds have liked all this time anyway. And why bother making someone else feel bad because they're coming around to something that you like? Yeah. Just because they made you feel bad about it 30 years ago when they didn't get why you had comic books in your lunchbox. Yeah, it's you know? so bad. I was looking for, like, an original Deadpool fucking comic. And I realized the first comic he was in was New Mutants or some shit like that. He didn't have his own comic book. Yeah. He didn't start off with his own book, for sure. And they ended up giving it to him and I know it's, there's been a couple different iterations and I'm sorry if I can't cite any specific artists or t exact years or anything but um, I, I think it was really when he had kind of joined X-Force and he had a lot of kind of buddy storylines with either Wolverine, Spider-Man or Cable when people really started to see the comedic and kind of the depth of character that this guy had. Yeah. And, I mean, it's obviously a shot at Deathstroke, uh, Slade Wilson, instead of Wade Wilson as Deadpool. But they, they never could have done it if it wasn't for Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, that, that's I my feeling. I feel feeling. like they can't replace Ryan Reynolds. And then when he's gone, because he's too old, it's just going to suck. I yeah. Feel like. um, and then recently, I did go and see the new Venom movie. 
Oh, I haven't seen that. How was it? I really liked it. I feel like the actor who did it, I don't know his name. Tom Hardy. Yes, Tom Hardy. I feel like it really didn't fit him. All right, well, let's let's pause here real quick, and let me tell you that I don't want any major spoilers yes, okay, right I now. Understand. So I'm just going to say I didn't like the Tom Hardy acting. I loved the Venom part aspect of it, or when Venom came out, like, or when is Venom it a- was talking, because it kind of reminded me of Deadpool in a little way, kind of joking around, talking shit, or whatever. Right. Now, is it... Um, how do I want to ask this question? Um, is it... Is it a superhero movie? Do they make him look good in it? Venom? Yeah, does he do anything yes. that... Yes, he does, yeah. Okay. He does do All right. Now, and... and I, I guess just... it kind of just shows out the backstory where Venom came from, I guess what to say. Which is weird that they can claim to do that without having Spider-Man anywhere in the film. Right. Because but... I still don't understand that whole fucking story of Venom and Spider-Man or whatever. I did watch the movie, but I still... <laughs> well... I it's close to how it was supposed to happen, you know, in the comics also. Uh, Spider-Man 3 did kind of get the general points right, even if they got the execution wrong and the actors wrong. But, yeah, he basically bonds with Spider-Man and his powers, becomes kind of that black Spider-Man suit. When he realizes that it's affecting his mood and his powers and everything else, he ends up fighting the symbiote. And when it, you know, is removed from him, finally, uh, it attaches to... Uh, Brock, uh, Eddie Brock. Yeah. And uh, and then that's where Venom comes from, and then off of him comes Carnage and a whole bunch of other stuff. I did buy a uh, Deadpool comic at the comic book store that you work next to. A Venom comic or a Deadpool one? Deadpool. Okay. It's called Deadpool in Black, and they transformed Venom trying to fucking go with Deadpool, and then Venom said like, "Fuck that, I'm out of here." <laughs> at the end of it. Thing. So I guess it wasn't a really good relationship. And, you know, speaking of relationships, Jesse, let's get into some of the disaster relationships either you oh or my I God. have. Or maybe a disaster sex story, which, you know, I have one of those. You have one ready? I do have one ready. Okay, let's start with you while I figure out the appropriate one to tell for the first episode, because I do have a couple as well. So, I'm going to talk about here my first job I ever gone or head or whatever the fuck people call it these days. You know? Do do they have different names for that yeah, now? Check out these fucking new tattoo face fucking rappers and their new fucking slang. It might be called fucking suck my dangling lang. I don't know. <laughs> but so anyways, I believe I was 14 years old. I was in Arizona. I was hanging out with my best friend. And I lived Everything with- about that's wrong so far. <laughs> right. And I lived with my sister at that point in time. Going to Getting school. worse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we were hanging out with my sister's husband's fucking cousin. I don't know. She's 16, 17. She brought a friend over. I believe her name is Crystal. And of course, since you know I have the Nick Carter Backstreet Boy name, and I'm kind of all right looking. She had attraction to me. And then short. <laughs> this is the most clinical short, sounding sex story I've ever heard. Story fucking short. We're in the trailer. I'm about to get my first fucking blowjob, and it's happening. The weird thing was, since I've gotten more blowjobs now, since I'm older. Like three of them? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, she made me hold it while she was doing it, which I thought was weird. Hold what? She made me hold my own dick while she was doing it. Typically, I feel like the women are supposed to do that, but 
Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. I don't know if there's an accepted protocol, but I usually am not holding my exactly. own when I that happens. I kind of vaguely remember, so I just, just hold it. I'm like, all right, and I'm laying there just going at it. My best friend at the time, total, like, punk rocker into anarchy, you know, Sid and Nancy Sex Pistols type deal. He fucking, like, carved an anarchy fucking tattoo in his arm, whatever. He was out getting busy with my brother-in-law's cousin. And I didn't know this because she was just fucking gross looking. Wow. So we had the door locked in the trailer in the main bedroom. You were in a trailer too? Yep. Trailer out in the fucking good old desert, Arizona. <laughs> and all of a sudden, while I'm finally getting ahead for the first time, he fucking unlocks the door with a stupid fucking knife and his crazy ass he saw. He fucking like slits his arm with a fucking butter knife and ruins my fucking first time and I didn't even get to fucking finish. Wow. Exactly. I did not see that coming, so yeah. to speak. <laughs> Trying to be Mr. Cool Punk Rocker. Oh, look at me. I could fucking cut my arm and feel nothing. I don't know what the fucking point was. But, yeah, that's my disastrous wow. head story that got ruined for the first time. Wow. Yeah. I, uh... God damn. Yeah. Did you ever talk to the girl again? Uh, no. No. No, no I did not. Huh. So you had never met her before, and you never spoke to her after that? Nope. That is so weird. And just like how people can, you know, be a huge part of your life that you're telling stories about 20 years later. And I'm not saying that this is only you, but, like, you can barely remember her name. She was only in your life for that one episode. Yeah. And here we are talking about it on a random podcast, you know, in your 30s now. if you think about it, it's the first time I ever got it, so of course that's going to be there. Yeah. I'm just saying that it's weird, you know. I, I'm, I'm sure in some of my stories I'll be talking about people that I haven't seen in 20 years or thought about either. Yeah. So, Jesse, I know you've <sighs> had a lot of relationships. Yeah. Maybe one night stands, what the fuck ever. Maybe just little bartending, little cookie bathroom deals with a witch from the West. I have no idea. Okay, watch your mouth, sweetheart. But, You're not that cute. But, you know. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, there, there's one story that always comes to my mind first because it's usually... The one that I get the best reaction from when I tell it. And it was so scary when it happened. But I'll, I'll give you a little setup. So um, there was this friend of a friend, if you will. And we'd been kind of on and off again, booty call slash friends with benefits people for a couple of years. Uh, but never really did any relationship stuff. We were friendly and that was all good. That's but yeah, it was okay. And it was, it was not like all the time either. It was just, you know, hey, what are you up to? Blah, blah, blah. So... One night I come home from work and I don't, I think we'd had man practice or something and I'm on Facebook, whatever. And she starts messaging me and talking about how she was drinking and home alone and suddenly ready and blah, blah, blah. So I decided to drive down there and I was living in Lake Stevens at the time, Lake Stevens, Washington, and, uh, went down to Marysville, um, and get there and she's watching a sex in the city movie. Sex in the city. Yeah. Which... We'll, we'll talk about that show another time. But she's watching the movie, and I get there, and like an asshole, I just instantly start making fun of her for it. You know, I'm asking her, at what point do they stop calling them Sex in the City sequels and start calling them Golden Girls prequels? And, you know, I'm just, I'm not letting her enjoy it at all. So, <laughs> but luckily I was still charming enough with the influence of the wine she had been guzzling that she still wanted to get busy. So we do that, you know, it's really good she starts off by going down on me and then you know we do our thing and did you have to hold it no okay. i didn't no 
No, you, I had to hang onto the couch. This girl was a fucking Hoover. But, <laughs> but uh, so, so there was one time, and then, like, 20 minutes later, after kind of chatting and talking a bit, we went one more time, and she was very, very vocal about still wanting to go down on me first. And I didn't think any of this at the time, because that's, you know, kind of the normal progression of foreplay. Um, and so we, we do all that again, and then it's like, okay, well, your roommates are about to be home. You don't want me here when your kid wakes up. I'm going to head home. So I, I drive home, and it's a 20-minute drive home, which is why I brought up where it was in the beginning. Yeah. Halfway there, all of a sudden, my entire crotch region is starting to itch and burn, and it you feels feel like, like there's like... Got chlamydia, maybe. I, I, was, I, was, I spent the next 10 minutes of the drive after it began literally running through my mental checklist of what potential symptoms these were for, you know, what potential disease I might have just caught. And, you know, I was, I was nervous about it and all that. But by the time I got home, it was about 4 a.m. And I didn't think there was anything I could do about it. So I just, I went to sleep. I hadn't had anything to drink. I just, I just passed out and went to sleep. And about an hour later, I woke up, went into the bathroom in my room. I had a bad, a bathroom attached to my bedroom at the time. And, you know, no lights on. I just kind of walk in there in PJs, drop shorts to the ground and I'm, peeing and all of a sudden and when i was peeing i was holding my own because that's oh, normal yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you're supposed to do. but when i went to go release it i couldn't instantly get my fingers out and so i panic and i look down and realize that i had at least three to four sticks worth of gum chewed up what? and completely entangled everywhere in like the hair and everything down there you got fucking bazooka gum i got bazooka joe all over my jimmy <laughs> and Poor i jimmy. Well, it's funny because, you know, it's like it's 5 a.m. or whatever. I'm still half asleep and I'm looking down and I'm instantly feeling both relief and terror. Relief over the fact that I haven't caught a burning, crabby infestation on my junk. But terror at realizing that now I have to figure out a way to get this off of me. Yeah, because if you think about it, if you get gum in your hair, what do you usually do? Peanut butter or cut it out. Yeah. Yeah. Which one of those options do you like when it comes to your ball sack? Well, here's the thing, though. Wow. <laughs> There's another one of a uh, punk ass insight for you. <laughs> Just in case that, that ever happens. And uh, kids, if you're listening, first of all, go to bed. That's weird. And second of all, don't write that down. He doesn't know what he's talking about. No, I, I opted for option two, the scissors. And uh, I spent the next, you know, hour and a half doing what I should have done before I'd even gone to see her, which was trimming up down there. But trust me when I say she knew about that going into it and she told me it wasn't an issue so I kind of feel like there was a little bit of a motive behind that or at least a carelessness that borders on negligence well if you think about it <laughs> like this day and age everyone does now I do it with gum? not with gum oh yeah. trimming? yeah yeah no I'm, I'm way better about that now I was a little asshole back then <laughs> yeah no I'm all about the if a girl's willing or like able to you know swallow her sense of foreboding doom over the trajectory of her life and like hook up with me i'm not gonna make her you know weed whack a forest also you know right have you ever nicked your balls with beer shaver on your ball sack because i have and i still never learned my lesson no but i just carefully try to get as close as i can and then i learned how to use a razor for me (laughs) because i'll shave my balls i don't care (laughs) 
Well, you have to. I mean, someone does. No one else is going to do it for you. I've never done that. Um, I, I, I'm more of a uh, trimmer instead of a shaver. Uh, I'm not going for the baby look down there. I can barely grow facial hair, and I keep what little I have at all times. So um, I, I value it a little too much to scorch the earth, if you will. But I have zipped myself up within the last six months. I was at work. Like and that movie? What's that movie? There's something about Mary? Yeah, yeah, not that bad, but it really hurt. And I was stuck in the bathroom for a good 20 seconds trying to decide if you go back or if you'd try and pull through. And I decided to go back because I figured if it got in there somehow, it should be able to get out. And after some pain and a little bit of blood afterwards, yes, it, it got me that bad. Uh, I got out and then I had to go back and continue serving drinks as if everything was fine. Meanwhile, feeling like I got flipped and, you know, flicked in the balls with a razor blade. Ah, uh, uh, and you know how <laughs> you know how it makes you like stomach hurt when you get hit in the balls or yeah, something like. But there's if you get hit in the balls, there's always like that one to two second maybe lag or maybe three seconds at least. Yeah, but you're it never shocked. Just happens like right away. No, and, and I you know it's coming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like when. Actually, I don't have a good metaphor for that. That's yeah. that's just perfect. Well done, Nick. Um. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I also want to spend a little more time on this first episode, just kind of getting to know you in general. So why don't you tell everyone quickly how we band? met through starting a ah, band? All right. And then, you know, people will kind of know a little bit of our history here. All right, we'll check this out. I've been wanting to join a band for the longest time. Never decided to fucking pursue it. Teenagers whatever just played guitar in my room by myself playing fucking blink 182 songs thinking i'm tomped along i'm vaping and i can't handle it continue <laughs> i was at work and talked to my buddy i was telling him all this and he's all you know what just fucking join a band see what happens decided to go on a craigslist saw an ad for a guitar player looking for this band called pride fucking fails which i thought was actually cool. called pride fails yeah pride fails sorry <laughs> um, and I liked the name, so I decided to go for it, and I fucking responded to the ad and met the other guitar player, singer, Aaron, which is our guitar player, singer still. In the band, yes. He's yeah. also been my best friend and occasional roommate since roughly 2003, um, and y you guys will definitely meet him a few times on this show. Uh, he'll definitely be on the podcast, but what, what year was that, roughly? Fuck, that was like... 2011, I think, maybe 2012. Which, if it was in 11 or the beginning of 12, I still would have been in Oregon when you guys formed. Yes. So which yeah, is accurate. You were still in Oregon. Yeah, I was living in Portland or in I Beaverton. Had my first practice session with my shitty fucking amp because I wasn't really band ready. <laughs> I did my little tryout and they liked me, I guess, and I stayed. Couple fucking band practice sessions later, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I got this cool surprise!" And here comes fucking Jesse with his fucking like hemmed out black sweatshirt and <laughs> wristband, fucking black. Was I wearing a wristband? I, I believe so. Fucking hell. Yeah, the little uh, what do they call it? Simple plain wristband. No one calls it that. <laughs> Least of all me. I I don't ever want to be mentioned with them. No, I. <laughs> I, I went through, it wasn't a full-on, like, goth phase or anything, but I went through a phase where I really 
really liked to try and live up to the persona that I created for when I would be on stage as a singer because I'm very much an introvert typically and to get up there and try and you know be energetic and face the crowd and make eye contact with a bunch of strangers and all that it's hard so I kind of came up with this version of myself that wasn't quite so afraid of that and so that's what you would meet at practices and all that until we really got to know each other yeah fucking mr bass player over here over here yeah i was was i playing bass back then same thing happened with resonance i that's right i didn't want to end up singing i wanted to make him keep singing because yeah. he had started off singing for you guys right and he still can never write a fucking song <laughs> he's he's great at writing the music and I usually end up putting the words to the songs, but yeah. you're one of the few in that band, at least, who contributed a completed song that you wrote all by I yourself. Lost you. Yep, it was Nick's emo, emo song. song. Yep, and he always got so nervous when he'd have to get I out there and play it. I'm not comfortable, and I just try to make myself be comfortable. But but that's the best part about doing a podcast in an environment like this is like there's none of that stress. You know, we're we're literally sitting on a couch in my living room. You know, I've got a beer. We took a shot at the beginning of the show. Uh, might smoke some weed on the air sometimes. Um, Fucking devil's lettuce, dude. Yeah, all about the devil's lettuce over here. Go Love it. Hell. But this is this is where we want to get all of that stuff out. Everything that you can't do in front of people, or that you know, if, if you're one of those people who in the shower is a complete attorney when you replay arguments in your head. And then you face your girlfriend or your wife and you I can't remember any of it. This is where we get to bring that out. <laughs> this is our forum for all of that you, stuff. Have you ever had one of those instances where you had a conversation, right? And it didn't end up going your way. And then later on you started thinking about all the shit that you should have did to make you feel like you're Oh my, stuff. yeah. All the time. All the time. Uh, especially in the car. Like, I, I, I don't like to say a lot of stuff in anger if I'm in an argument with someone. So I'll just like duck out for a while and try and calm down. And in that car ride or walk or where, whatever I'm doing, I will just replay it over and over. And I will finally tune all these like really witty and like just jarring jabs I could have got in on this person. And then by the time I get back, I'm just like, you know what? It's okay. Yeah. And I think in the end, that's probably best that we don't remember all that stuff. But this is also, I believe, a guy thing because women are so smart. They're able to do all that stuff in the moment. That's why we always lose arguments to the women in our lives they're able to think of all that stuff on the fly that it takes us like three or four replays to fully process and and they always win every argument where when it's about yourself they somehow turn it around and fucking make it about them in some weird fucking tricky way i feel look plenty of them do that i'm not saying that specifically i'm saying that no matter what when I'm caught up in an argument, especially if emotions get involved, I forget logic and reason, and I will just start playing back on their field, you know, going, firing from the hip emotionally, Yeah. and that's that's not a domain that I am well-equipped to speak in. I don't have the vocabulary that most women I know do to argue about stuff that I feel. What, vagina? <laughs> Shenanigans. <laughs> um... So, but, okay, so so that's kind of how we met, and over the years since then, what, it's 18, that was 11, so seven years that I've known you now, yeah. we, we've, you know, kind of developed an interesting friendship apart from the band and my other friendships, because I only met you so late in life, um, so, like, 
what, what about like are, are you a guy who likes well let's start with the music still what what kind of music do you like what do you listen to when you're like you know mad what? or sad or happy or whatever i still listen to fucking 2000 era music i can't get into the new music i hate it i'll listen to yeah sound like an older man Nick. i know and i'm really not <laughs> Yeah, I bet guitar. it did. <laughs> I started playing guitar. I wanted to just start playing punk rock, pop fucking music. And I've been like, I don't know, I guess so to say, the Blink-182 guitar singer, Tom Wong, has been my idol ever since. That's how now, I, now, real I, quick, that, that's, I love that you brought him up specifically because, you know, I, I'm a big avid fan of the Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, I've always loved Blink, but I, I really love the episode that Tom did on the Joe Rogan podcast. Um, well, I didn't get that impression. Now I know that Joe's been a little more vocal since then about what he feels about Tom and how that went. But if you really watch the episode and you're really listening at the beginning, he's super skeptical and kind of rolling his eyes as Tom's kind of dodging all these questions. And then as the podcast progresses, you realize that they're developing a common ground where he knows what Tom can say and can't say. And then, as his buddy in the back, I believe his name's Jesse, the engineer on that show. I think it is. I think yeah. it is. Um, and he's kind of fact-checking some stuff, and that's when they had a little less criticism to offer as Tom was talking. And the thing is, Tom, he might be crazy, but I don't think he's any crazier than anyone else who's just looking for, like, a real answer. Right. And he's in a position where he can actually do something about it. I believe in aliens, and I wish... Yeah. Uh, I wish Tom DeLonge would just go back to his band days. I mean, I know he wants to do his side stuff and do his, you know, books and alien thing and whatever, but I feel like he's losing sight of what he came up to be, and I feel like he needs to go back. No, you feel like you want him to go back. I want him to go back, but I'm just saying, you know. Yeah. I feel like he drifted away from what he was. And I, I can't wait to replay this episode in another couple years when you're a little further away from just turning 30. Because that's literally <laughs> all that we all do, you know? If you go back to what I was like, you know, at the age when they started making the name for themselves doing punk music in California, you know, I was a church-going kid. Um, I was really involved in it. I really believed in it as well as I could. And I, I did, like, music leading for both the youth groups and the adult services and all that stuff. I was really, really involved and really the only way that has any bearing on me now is that it kind of set the tone for my moral code in many ways. Uh, not that I am a conservative. If you go politically, I don't even necessarily consider myself a Christian anymore. I would say that agnostic is definitely the most close uh, with a good dash of cosmic nihilism, if you want a little yeah, new word I, to look up later. <laughs> I fucking I lost faith in all of it, so I kind of... 
Well, and what I love, um, I'm also a big fan of Rick and Morty, uh, which has just, just blown up. I Excellent. Like, I finally got into it like a few months ago, and I had to binge watch all the fucking episodes. It is so good, and it's so smart. Like, when you go back and you rewatch it, you catch all these things, and I've just started kind of listening to some people's connected opinions on YouTube about, you know, the different psychology or um, theology or... Um, philosophy that's the word i'm looking for the philosophy of rick in rick and morty and he's the the best argument i've heard is that he's a cosmic nihilist which is roughly speaking the outlook that there is no inherent meaning anywhere in the universe and that doesn't mean that there's no meaning for individuals it means that what we do doesn't matter to the rest of the universe at all and it doesn't necessarily even have to matter to each other but that's where we find our meaning is what we actually do in our lives. Exactly. I do want to call a little bit of shenanigans on this topic as well. Oh. Because don't you think typically Rick and Morty is just a little funny cartoon show just to bring everybody's spirits up without any political or theory? No, 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 no. Pickle Rick, come on. He's a pickle, and then he makes himself into like a pickle transformer killing rats. I don't know what that has to do with. Look, what, the, what you got to know about that episode, I'm so glad you brought that up because it's one of the best examples I could give for this show, actually knowing what it's doing. You, you look at, and, and I don't even like to look at symbolism in poems and when I'm reading. I like to look at what's actually written so I can enjoy the written words more than trying to decipher thematic elements. I'm, I'm with you on that. I like to enjoy it for the ridiculous humor and all that stuff. Yeah. But the reason why it has resonated so well with me and with other people out there, I feel, is the moments when it gets really dark and bleak and depressing and still offers you a way out. So, yeah, you're the, a piece of shit, Morty. Yeah, and I mean, the Pickle Rick episode's <laughs> a great one that kind of takes you through not only the, the, the dynamics of their family after they've been divorced... But when Rick actually shows up and uh, Dr. Wong, played by Susan Sarandon wonderfully, she basically lets him rip on her in all the ways you expected Rick to. And it sounds like he's right when he says it. And then she responds with a 30 second or so monologue that completely refutes and almost puts everything back on Rick in a way that makes you kind of think that, you know, as smart as he is, he doesn't have everything figured out. Because for all of his benefits of not really feeling connection to people because he has infinite families in the universe, um, he hasn't found any deeper meaning. And it's the things that we find deeper meaning in that really matter to people. And so that's a great one. But if you want to know when I really, really got the clue was in the episode um, where he is visiting Unity, the hive mind. And uh, Unity's played by Christina Hendricks, and there's another hive mind on there played by Patton Oswald. It's a great episode. And he basically brings Morty and um, Summer to a planet where they're all controlled by Unity, a hive mind. And he's dating the entire population of that planet basically at the same time and just getting into trouble. I think I can remember that episode. Yeah. And by the end, Rick and Morty, or I'm sorry, Morty and Summer are both kind of taking Unity's side, thinking hey, you know, she's really eliminating a lot of the pain from these people's lives. Let's get Rick out of this equation. He's the real issue here. And then at the end of the show, he basically tries to kill himself. And the only reason he doesn't succeed is kind of chance. It's random that he just kind of put his head down at the right time to avoid it. 
And that's when you really see that even though this is writing and a character who really values knowledge and the psychological buffer that being intelligent can offer you, it really, really doesn't resonate or connect with the human experience until you've allowed yourself to feel some of that meaning in the world. You know, you, you can be depressed even if you're brilliant. You can be happy even if you're brilliant. You can be sad even if you're dumb. Not all dumb people are happy like they kind of... I'm always happy, dude. Well, you are dumb. Exactly. But, but <laughs> so what I'm getting at is, Jesse, I feel like you really look deep into shit. Mm-hmm. More than what I do. So I have just a little tip. I feel like you would work really, really well with the vagina monologues. Have you heard of this? <laughs> I, you know, I've heard of it. I've never read it or seen it or anything. I have it either. About vaginas? Yes. I don't think I, I could do like that. I can just master some fucking metaphorical speaking about vaginas and how they're mystical out in the fucking universe and they control everything. Well, I mean, that seems like a pretty specific <laughs> pitch. I don't know if I could because at the end of the day, I'm not sure I fully understand him either. <laughs> speaking of random... Hero. Random hero. Oh, yeah, hey. Hey. What's up? We're in a fantasy league. Fantasy football. Fuck. And you fucking suck at it this year. One and six. One and six. Le'Veon Bell on my bench, being a bench warmer, all because my number one pick, if anybody follows fucking football, I'm sure most of you don't, but he has not been playing because he wants more money and he's fucking up my lineup. So this is really going to be a part where you want to bitch about someone... In the NFL because of your fantasy team? Yes. Is that what we're about to yes. do? All right, I'll engage I'm for a minute. I'm saying the fucking NFL players make all this goddamn money and then they just want to sit there and fucking cry for more when I would love to play football for maybe, you know, just a hundred grand. You know? Hey, I'm so glad you brought this up, Nick, because I'm about to call a giant shenanigans on you. <laughs> so you work at Boeing. Yes. And you are part of a union. Well. No. Yeah. Just, just give me a yes, yes or no. I am. Yeah. Yeah. This union, especially in this state, where Boeing's headquarters were for a long time, and they still place a lot of their um, employees and factories and all that kind of stuff, in this state, that union, what, they strike once every five years, roughly, maybe ten at the most? Every contract ending. Every contract every ending, contract. there's a strike. Yeah. So... What you're saying is that you don't think NFL players should do the same thing you do because they have to do it by themselves. No, I just feel like they make a lot of money for what they love doing and playing sports and, you know, getting fame and fucking endorsements and whatever. I understand, you know, you want to be treated better or maybe get more value because you think you're worth more because all the time and effort you put in. But if you're making, like, $50 million fucking for, like, four years, I feel like Well, and I'm, yeah, yeah, I, I can see that side of it. But, like, if you really dig into a lot of these contract disputes and stuff, like, look at Earl Thomas with the Seahawks, one that really, really yeah, has I affected us. And, um, you know, there, there's been Michael Bennett every season for the Seahawks before he got traded to Philly. Um, he would basically do a version of the same thing. And the, the simple fact is, when you boil it down, what they're saying is, like, look, I put my body on the line. 
I could end up having brain damage or losing, you know, a broken arm or, you know, a back that doesn't work right or whatever it is. And they're basically saying, what is that worth to you? Well, I know what it's worth to me and it's worth more than what you're giving me right now. Well, that's like fucking with the porn star. You know how many money shots she gets in her face? She doesn't <laughs> just say, fucking, I'm holding out. She, she should. <laughs> if she thinks she's worth more than whatever she's making, absolutely. You know, at one point in time, she's probably getting I am never, ever going to talk lowly about sex industry workers because if, in my experience, you know, I've interviewed a couple, I have a couple of close friends who are strippers. I've never known a porn star, but I've known strippers. Um, and the, the two that I know the best, um, there's one that you guys will definitely meet on this podcast. She's already agreed to do it on a future episode, um, that goes by Daytona. And then there's another one who went by Dixie when we interviewed her a couple of years ago for a show that I never got off the ground. Is Dixie her stripper name? That was her stripper name. Both of those were stripper names. I don't want to give out any names of real life people until they've agreed to it. But I, I've had long talks with both of these people, and they're two of the smartest women I know. And they're two people who don't have the same hangups that maybe someone like me or you does about showing nudity or what it means to even be up on that I, stage. <laughs> and that's fair and I'm a fat ass so but you you look at the you you look at them on stage and it's easy for someone who's never been or occasionally goes to strip clubs to look at that and judge and be like oh well she must have had a bad family life or she must be on drugs or whatever well Dixie uh has a master's degree I believe it was definitely a, a um definitely a bachelor's degree I think it's a master's um, and she's down in LA working on television shows and her husband works on television shows and she got that degree in, I believe it was journalism, one of the smartest and just strongest people I know. And the other one, Daytona, um, she works in aerospace also. Um, she does that, you know, on weekends or on the side and all this stuff. And what you really find out is these are just girls that don't have the same hangups we do. That, that's not shame when they take off their clothes or whatever. What they're doing is they're getting up there and they feel empowered. You know, they're looking at the looks on men's faces. They're, they're feeling the music. Sometimes they're probably ignoring that there's people watching them and just having fun on their own. And it's like, damn, if you could do that for a living, how is that any different than, like, playing football, you know? Yeah. Well, granted, there are the stereotypes of strippers, though. Of course. And, and here's a little quick story. Yeah. For some reason... Fucking years ago, I've always wanted to try and see if I could just get a date with a stripper without having to pay any fucking money or get trapped into it. I think every guy wants to experiment with that one just a little, because we all think we can buy a stripper's time, yeah. but it's not really the case. Anyway, go on. So, I was at a strip club. I was in, having this one girl fucking come at me the whole night. She was sitting on my lap talking or whatever. And I was like, hey, you know, we should just go out sometime. He's like, all right, yeah, that sounds totally fine. You know, no gimmicks, no having to fucking pay her, nothing like that. She gave me her number. I fucking gave up courage. I don't know, maybe like a few days later. I always do that little wait period because you don't want to seem desperate. Like, you don't. I don't care about fucking, that. You know how some guys can get. But, I'm going to text whenever I want to. <laughs> Screw it. I'm not going to wait a day if I want to talk to someone. Well, anyway, that's just me. Go ahead. So anyways, I text her, hey, you know, are you ready to go out? You want to go out? She's like, yeah, sure. And then out of nowhere, she's all, you know, I have to be honest with you. She says she's fucking addicted to heroin. I was like, oh, shit. Whoa. Yeah, I was like, so granted, at least she was honest with me, but I did not end up going out with her because after that, I can't, you know. So 
there are those type of strippers out there. No, of well. course, of course. And in in all of the times I've spoken to, you know, I did that Dixie interview. Me and uh, Bowman, we interviewed her for probably about an hour and a half, and we never ended up cutting the episodes together or even getting the show live. But it was a fascinating interview, and um, yeah, she she acknowledges right off the top. You know, there's plenty of girls that fit those stereotypes, and that's why they exist. And that goes back to earlier, you know, that's kind of a benign stereotype you can have because a lot of those girls who are the good ones or the smart ones or whatever, they're, they know that those stereotypes exist. They do what they do in spite of that, which takes a hell of a lot more courage than I've usually had in my life. And they still do it. But so absolutely, those girls, you know, there's plenty of them that exist that have, you know, the bad family life or whatever. And, you know, it's important to be able to tell the difference because if you're a guy who's just on his own in a strip club at 2 p.m. eating steak while you're watching steak on stage <laughs> flopping around in, you know, um, oh, what do they call that place in Portland? Um, Acropolis. Dude. The Acropolis, yeah. They have a full buffet at this strip club. It's crazy. But if, if you're there doing all that, it's easy to fall in and think that every single one of them likes you, which is why every guy wants to see if it can exist outside of the strip club. And yeah, they I think like it can exist. Oh God! Yeah, hey, no, well, no one in my opinion. So you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> Fat guys need love too, but we already know we have to pay. Uh, we're 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 on board with that, and I say we. I've actually been losing a lot of weight since coming back to bartending, and been a little happier than when I was making twice as much money doing video production work. But well, see, the funny thing is, I'm skinny. I used to be like 180 something at one point in time, but I fluctuate. I go up and down. Yeah, we all do. Um, the, I mean, but for me, I spent eight years in most of my 20s doing a job that requires you mostly to be at a desk. And I'm not, I, I didn't have the discipline and I didn't have any kind of structure in place early in my life to really make me value working out outside of what you just do in the normal course of your day. So I've found that instead of trying to hold myself to impossible to meet standards for working out like after work at a good job, I'll take a job that has less pay, maybe less responsibility, but gives me those things that I don't get if I'm working at a desk, you know? So bartending, you know, I'm forced to work with people, which is hard for me sometimes as someone who's very introverted and occasionally socially anxious. Um, it's not always easy for me to do that emotionally and it can drain me but the best part is it keeps me on my feet all day running around and you know i'm going through clothes having to find smaller and smaller ones now and it's not even about diet anymore i don't even that's, eat that much really you know good, dude. you know what dude you could probably maybe fucking call jenny craig too while you're at it get some tips hey you know what <laughs> i'm just kidding. you're already skinny that, go that, fuck that, yourself okay, fucking asshole <laughs> all right so i believe so we're right around the hour mark, and uh, we don't have a set formula or time limit for these shows, but we also want to acknowledge that people don't always listen longer than about an hour, hour and a half, unless it's a celebrity they're already familiar with talking. Yeah, you know, maybe one day we'll have fucking Donald Trump on here, you know, who knows? Uh, oh, if, shit, did I say that? I'll put it this way. If you ever wanted to do this podcast... <laughs> I would absolutely okay, do it, I'd but it would Obama. never happen. Okay, but I'm just saying. 
So are you are you a liberal then? I'm nothing actually. I'm not Good. even registered vote. Okay, that that I, that's surprising. Yeah. But okay, well, I mean, but I mean, your answer is good though. Aside from not being registered, which means you can't participate in voting, um, or being I, a jury, which I've always wanted to do. But I've never jury. been selected. I'm 35 years old. I've been registered to vote since I was 18 years old, and I've never once been selected I for watched, jury duty. I watched this fucking staircase movie on Netflix about fucking a guy who saved. He murdered his wife by pushing his wife down the stairs or beating them, and I got to see like the whole fucking trial and how it works and the jury throughout the whole fucking thing, and it seems really fucking stressful. Or murder cases, anyways. Well, they heighten but, the drama, but I mean, at the end of the day, you absolutely want to make sure you're making the right call. Yeah. yeah. But I've always wanted to be like a jury. Just, I don't know. It's been one of my little bucket list things. If you really want to do that, I encourage you to watch uh, seasons two and three of Daredevil. Uh, if you haven't seen season three yet, it just dropped a couple days ago. So I'm not going to give out any massive spoilers, but one thing I've always loved about the way Netflix does that particular show is that they still include include the courtroom yeah. aspect of Daredevil's character, and um, they they do some really good stuff in court with like the Punisher trial in the second season. In the third season, there's going there's a grand jury trial towards the end of it. I'm not going to give you any specifics, but. It may make you rethink whether or not you actually be, <laughs> want to be selected for a jury, dude. I object, dude. <laughs> Shenanigans. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like Jesse was saying, it's about that time to where we fucking just hit the hay. Yeah. Fucking, we're live on our couch. And uh, if you actually listen to this show, and uh, whether you like it, if you have criticisms, I mean, obviously this is a pilot episode, or so if it's... if you want to talk shit, dude, I'm totally down. Just yeah. We are going to be posting this with contact information because we want to make sure that we can interact with anyone listening. Um, if you really want to sound off or anything. Yeah, we'll get a Twitter uh, account going to where people can uh, tweet certain hashtags after shows and we'll pay attention to yeah, those. And if you want to know if dog semen's good for you and has calories, you know, we could always look that up for you. Well, I assume it has calories. I doubt it's good for you, but I'm sure Nick would not so much look it up as tested. Yeah, I would totally yeah. test it for you. And by tested, I mean he's already done so many times. So anyway, um, I, I hope you guys just enjoyed hearing a little chat. Um, the, the, the format's going to be fluid. Um, we're still kind of figuring out how we really want to point this show. But ultimately, we just want to be able to have conversations that don't require censoring or withholding aspects of our outlooks on stuff so and have fun yeah so with that being said i'm punk ass i am random hero aka jesse pepin fucking cheeky shenanigans and we're out we are out